Hello and welcome back to Oral Valley Catholic. This is Father John Arnold. Have you ever seen the movie Barbie? Uh, it's geez, Everyone asks seems to have seen it or made a decision not to see it because you can't really avoid it. Barbie was released on July of 2023 and it is, I think, the 14th highest grossing film of all time, $1.44 billion. And if you haven't noticed, it has been... Uh, nominated for uh, Best Picture at the Oscars, that Ryan Gosling, the supporting actor who played Ken, Best uh, Supporting Actor, and uh, America Ferrara, who played the mom in the movie named Gloria, Best Supporting Actress. And so what's caused some fewer and not a few articles, which is really what attracted my attention and what I watched the movie for, was... Um, that Greta Gerwig, who is a very good director, I loved her movie Lady Bird, watch Lady Bird, good movie. Uh, she wasn't given a nod for best director, and it's, you know, it's this huge movie. And then Margot Robbie, who did a great job playing Barbie, uh, didn't get even noticed for best actress, and that caused some real controversy, which I'm not going to go into because it's Hollywood talk and I don't care. Um, but I thought, since I'd been reading some books about American feminism, starting with Vindication of the Rights of Women, uh, Lost Vision Revisited by Erica Bacchiacci, What Do Men Want by Nina Powers, uh, Genesis of Gender by Abigail Favalli, and Mary Harrington's book Progress Against Feminism, I thought, well, I'd maybe kind of up to speed with some modern feminists about what feminism is all about, and that's supposedly what the Barbie movie is about. But I have my own take on it, and I wanted to talk about it, because the first reading is from Job and suffering. And so let's take a few moments, talk about this huge movie and the big hole in the middle of it. Dear listeners of Oral Valley Catholic, here's a spoiler alert. You don't want to hear about the story of Barbie. Now's the time to tune out. You've had about six months to watch it, and I'm not trying to undermine the making more than $1.44 billion, but I'm going to have to talk about the entire movie to, to give you my take on it, which I think is worthwhile talking about, given what the Sunday readings are. So here's the Barbie story. Um, Barbie wakes up in Barbie land, and Barbie has a perfect life. Barbie is a plastic doll. She doesn't have any genitalia. None of the Barbies do, but they do have a world that they live in, and it's a perfect world. Um, Barbie wakes up, and she waves to all of her friends. She drives her beautiful little 1950-style Corvette, you know what, because only a single headlights in the front. And boy, it's a cool car. She drives around Barbie land, and in Barbie land, all the Barbies, uh, various versions of Barbie are uh, the president, or they're the Congress, or they're the Supreme Court. They run everything. There's a couple failed Barbies that just kind of, you know, in the background, they don't have a real place. There's pregnant Barbie, because there's really no room in Barbie land for pregnant Barbie, and a few other little uh, uh, characters that just don't fit in for one reason or another laughably uh, a doll that you may be aware of called Alan, who is supposed to be another version of a Ken doll. I had dinner last night with one of our parishioners, 
And she said she actually had an Allen doll. I didn't even know it existed until I watched the Barbie movie. So anyway, what happens is Barbie wakes up unhappy one day and she's worried about cellulite. She's a plastic doll and she's worried about death. And so at one point in this big girl party where none of the Kens are invited, all the girls are dancing and have fun. And Barbie asks all of her Barbie friends, does anyone here ever think about death? At which point everything just comes to an end because they all look at her because death has no place in this world. And so Barbie recovers because she's smart. And she says, oh, what I meant was dying to dance. And everyone starts dancing again. But Barbie can't get over her fears of death. Barbie can't get over uh, fears of cellulite. And so she decides that she has to go to the real world to find out. Because after she talks to Weird Barbie, who is a Barbie who's broken, who generally is in the splits, um, tells her that uh, it's like a reverse voodoo doll. I'm giving you my version of it. Is uh, In a voodoo doll, you poke a voodoo doll and a real person suffers. But in Barbie land, when your owner, the real person, suffers, it's Barbie that pays the cost. So she has to go find her owner. And who stows along? Ken, who really wants to be Barbie's boyfriend, though neither one of them are really equipped for relationship, either by nature, physicality, or uh, emotionally. And Barbie just can't figure out what role Ken would have in her life. So she's very nice, because she's nice to everybody. But she's not particularly happy that Ken in his cowboy suit has... Uh, has tagged along. And so Gerwig does a good job of the transition from Barbie land to, quote, the real world, uh, where they, like, in a boat, then they're on a snowmobile, and maybe, I forget, different little things until they pop out on Venice Beach, which, uh, of course, should give you some clue about whether how real the real world's going to be. Uh, and the truth is, when they get there, Barbie and Ken have very different experiences. Um, Barbie gets groped. Barbie has to pay for money. I mean, pay money for uh, her outfit, which is a cute pink cowgirl's outfit with fringes and a white, and a white hat. And so she has to run away, basically shoplifted. She sees an older woman and says, an old woman actually, very elderly, tells her how beautiful she is. And the old woman, and it's a great line, looks at Barbie and says, I know. <laughs> So, uh, but Barbie's trying to find her owner, and she thinks it's this high school girl who's really snide with her. Turns out to be her mother. Now, the Mattel Corporation in the real world gets wind of that Barbie has escaped, and this is not good. So they want to round her up, put her back in a box, and remanufacture her. So you're getting the idea that this is a parody of some sort. A fairy tale is much more like it, I think. But the Mattel Corporation represents the patriarchy. Will Farrow is the uh, chairman of the board. And uh, I think it's like 12 people, 12, but they're all white males, and they make all the shots. Although a woman named Ruth Handler had actually invented Barbie in the beginning. She's a ghost that lives upstairs. But this all-male board, board of directors is trying to force Barbie back into the box. Actually, because I took the time to research it, Mattel Corporation wants the world to know that there are six men on the board and five women. So it's not completely dominated by males unless you're a complete empiricist, um, which is okay. So anyway, Barbie escapes. She runs through a room and meets her creator, uh, Ruth Handler. And Ruth is played by Rhea, Ber Rhea Perlman. If you remember Cheers, she was... Uh, Oh, one of the characters in Cheers. But she's the 
the lady that uh, created it all, living in a room upstairs in Mattel. But uh, Rhea, or Grandma, uh, tells her, Mrs. Handler, tells her how to get out of the building and get back to Barbie land. But when she gets back to Barbie land, oh my gosh, Ken has beat her back because in his experience in the real world, he's discovered patriarchy. And he realizes that men should be in control in uh, Barbie land, uh, not all the Barbies. So he convinces all the Barbies that they're just supposed to be the girlfriends of all the Kens. But again, this actually in Barbie land, they're all plastic dolls. And it makes no real sense. Um, but the, uh, there's a big fight scene about who's going to be the top Ken. But it's basically a reproduction of the scene of the fight between the Sharks and the Jets in West Side Story. Uh, there's a lot of Hollywood references in the movie. It's kind of one of the things that's kind of the occasional chuckle in the movie as you're trying to follow this really complicated story. Well, Barbie gets back to uh, Barbie land, finds out what happened, and uh, sees that everybody's been, uh, all the Barbies have been programmed uh, to be subservient to the patriarchy, patriarchic culture so it is a coalition of all the misfit Barbies, Broken Barbie, who is like a black circle around her eye and is always doing the splits, uh, Alan, who is a failed Ken doll, um, Pregnant Barbie, and uh, there's some others, I guess. But they're the ones who one by one educate all the Barbies who, uh, because the Ken dolls are so stupid, uh, take over uh, Barbie land back from Barbies. And... Um, at the end, uh, Barbie Land is restored in a happy place run by Barbies, uh, and Barbie decides that she's had enough and she wants to leave the Barbie world. So that's really part of the story, but uh, what I'd like to do, if I could, is go through and hit some of the themes that I think are really interesting in Barbie Land, and what they might have to do with the story of Joe. So I'd like to take a few moments and talk about two, maybe three major themes in the movie that I think are worth considering. So patriarchy is one of the primary concerns in the Barbie movie. Potter, father, R.K. rule. It's become kind of a buzzword in feminist thought that patriarchy is about being dominated by males. I think women who've had a good and healthy relationship with um, their fathers, husband, hopefully brothers, my sisters, I pray, um, that uh, you know, in the give and take of those relationships, uh, it's not uh, domination. It isn't unhealthy. It's just simply part of living in the world in a, in a shared reality. But there is a reality to um, the dominance of males in, um, in Western culture, especially in English culture. Um, coverture marriage, which dominated since the time of the Reformation, Catholic countries like Spain would have uh, what's called community property. Arizona's a community property state where everybody has a male and man and woman, husband and wife, uh, have each an undivided half interest in all the property of the marriage. But that really came out of Catholic countries, especially Spain. Coverture marriage and dowry were the English ideas where they rejected the sacramentality of marriage at the time of the Reformation. And it really was uh, an abusive relationship between male and female. Um, and so in coverture marriage, when you married, a dowry came 
with the wife into the marriage to provide for her upkeep. And the husband owned the dowry and basically everything about the, the woman's labor. She couldn't work outside the home without his permission. And this is the world that Mary Wollstonecraft complains about uh, in her book, Vindication of the Rights of Women, written in 1792, right at the beginning of the French Revolution, where everything seemed to be open to change. And she was a great writer, but she didn't marry the fathers of her children until she had to because she didn't want to give over the rights to her writing uh, to a male. So you can't say that there's no basis in English language countries for, um, for the complaints about patriarchy. And you can complain historically about the relationship between men and women. It starts with the uh, Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. It, I don't know if there is a perfect time that anyone remembers, but in the Barbie movie, patriarchy becomes kind of this template for uh, relationships between the sexes. So in the first part where the Barbies rule everything, well, they run everything. The Supreme Court, they run the presidency, they run all the businesses. Ken's just play down at the beach, their pretty little things and their bathing suits, while the women do the serious work of meeting with each other and doing each other's nails and hair and having great dancing parties. Um, till of course, Barbie screws it all up by asking, do you ever think about death? Um, but uh, I'll get to that at the end, because I think that's the hole in the middle of the movie. But in, when Barbie and Ken go into the real world and Ken learns about the power of patriarchy, well, he comes back and he wants to install it in Barbie land. And so by the time that Barbie gets back into Barbie land, what's happened? There's been a complete revolt by the Kens of the world who are taking over everything. And all the Barbies have been programmed to serve Ken and get him a beer when he needs it. And while the men basically spend all their time slapping each other on the butt and playing air hockey. Well, the point, I think, I think there is a point to it, is that characterizations of patriarchy as a way for the sexes to interact uh, is simply not helpful uh, for marriage, work, or um, the world. And it really doesn't help that women are in control of everything or men are in control of everything. And this really goes back to the, to the roots of what's happened in our culture since industrialization. And I'm relying on Mary Harrington's book, The Progress Against Feminism. She's a Marxist historian, um, but she doesn't buy into you know, the, the, the Marx view of history. But a Marxist historian sees a point to history and uh, the uh, effect of economic factors on uh, social life. So in brief, here's what she says. Uh, prior to the Industrial Revolution, a largely agrarian culture, men and women all worked in the house. They made cloth in the house. They uh, produced products for sale in the marketplace. It's the, it's the farm that my mom grew up on in South Dakota. She loved her mom and dad. Uh, she didn't claim that her dad was some kind of absolute ruler. She loved him. He was a great guy. I never He died when I was born. Um, but that... Um, uh, the idea is that if you're going to make it on a farm, you all had to work together. But what happens in industrialization where people move to the cities, they could, no longer can support themselves. They're relying on wages for their support, and everybody still works, man, woman, and child in the 19th century. But it's all these crummy factory jobs because, you know, when you look at Barbie world, it's uh, this elite understanding of women and men 
Go to Barbie land, watch the movie. Is there a single woman up on a roof putting a roof on a plastic Barbie house uh, in July? It's just not non-existent. Um, and so it's a, a very elitist view of what work looks like and what patriarchy is, but that's what makes it a parody. Um, and so in the idea of the industrial world, this gives us the modern feminist movement because, um, you know, it's, there's just asymmetry between the sexes. Men reproduce outside their bodies, women reproduce within their bodies. In the Barbie world, there is no sex. They're just little plastic toys. And so Barbie has, uh, you know, Ken's a friend, but he's not a girlfriend, and girlfriends are more interesting than boyfriends, but nobody has sex with anybody. Ken wants to have a, a relationship with Barbie, you can't even imagine why, uh, because they don't seem to have anything in common. Uh, and so, again, the parody continues on. Well, in American culture, uh, the way that it was resolved was that um, abortion was made legal under Roe versus Wade. Uh, uh, artificial contraception became legal. Uh, uh, states couldn't prohibit it under Griswold versus Connecticut. And the thinking being is that men and women could both walk away from the consequences of sexual intercourse by using either artificial contraception or the backup artificial contraception, which is abortion. And then basically you've, you've leveled the playing field between men and women. And so everybody gets to be part of the patriarchy. That's been at least the American settlement and the British settlement, according to Mary Harrington. But it has worn thin because um, women and men uh, think differently about all of these things. And we do live in a sexually abusive culture. It's on the rise, actually criminally recognized sexual abuse is on the rise. Fatherless sons are on the rise, and that's created problems. And so when Gerda, uh, Greta Gerwig is parroting patriarchy, you know, it, I would say it's a kind of a Hollywood treatment of the whole problem. Um, but that the idea that if you go into the real world and that in the real world um, men rule, uh, this isn't true. But there is something very bothersome, and that's the second theme I want to talk about, is relationships. So Barbie and Ken are basically neuters. They're neutral. They have no sexuality at all. The one sexual relationship is Gloria with her husband, who in the movie isn't given a name. He's just such a complete drip. He's actually played, I guess, by America Ferrara's real-life husband. But it's like she cuts him off in the middle of the conversation. And so is that a parody of marriage? Is that a criticism of marriage? Because like in Lady Bird, which is a great movie, I've said it before, I guess, but I, I, I do like Greta Gerwig as a director. I think she has ideas behind her movies. Um, but uh, in Glory, it's, it really focuses on daughter-mother relationship. There's no mother-son relationship. There isn't any relationship between father and daughter. And so it's either uh, held up as a very dysfunctional family, which it is. I mean, America Ferrara takes on, or Gloria takes on her husband right in front of Barbie and, and daughter who just sit there and listen to it. Um, but uh, the, uh, the idea that uh, it's patriarchy is, no, I mean, in that family, mom's running it, and it's an unhealthy family. Uh, it's an unhealthy marriage. So to say that this is some kind of, this movie is some kind of uh, feminist screed about uh, women controlling the planet, 
I don't think you can pull that out of that, this movie, though it seems that some reviewers look at it like that. Um, but nothing seems to work. Why? Because men and women are forced to compete against each other. And uh, that's part of the problem that is present in the movie. Uh, but also just a sense that people don't ha know how to cooperate in the movie. Um, the best that you get is the Barbies cooperate and the Kens cooperate. The Barbies are really smart. The Kens are really dumb. Um, it's just not a very realistic understanding of the world. So what do you take out of all of it? Well, what I like to, to take out of it is how the movie begins and ends. So in the beginning, uh, what happens? All the girls are playing with dolls. They're playing with strollers and until Barbie appears. And it's like 2001 A Space Odyssey. And... Um, and suddenly nobody wants to play with dolls or strollers anymore. They all want to be Barbie, who's a knockout in her one-piece swimming suit. It's the dream that women apparently have, um, and it's what the Barbie world becomes. But it, it's a dream that becomes a nightmare. How does the movie end? Well, uh, Barbie is driven by Gloria, her drip husband who has no name, and her daughter, and she's being dropped off in a nice business suit because you think that what's going to happen is she's going to go in and she's going to take her rightful place as uh, working in, uh, in the patriarchy and, and, and bringing Barbie to the patriarchy. Uh, instead, in the real world where all this happens, Barbie's being dropped off for a meeting with her gynecologist, her first meeting. Apparently, when she had met with her creator, Ruth, Pearl, uh, Ruth, uh, what's her name? Ruth Handler, uh, who is the God figure in the movie, uh, she wants to be a human being, and though the God figure is a very flawed figure in the movie, um, but being a real human being means dealing with the natural part of being a woman. Uh, how John Paul would love that, because it points towards theology of the body, and uh, how relationship is inherently a part of us, and just put into who we are. And so, uh, patriarchy and uh, failed or dysfunctional relationships in uh, the Barbie movie, I think, and how I look at what she's done, is pointing towards uh, the necessity of cooperation over competition and how the cooperation between man and woman sends up a much more loving home, uh, home world. You know, it's interesting in the Greta Gerwig movie, Lady Bird, I think mom's a single mom also, uh, not the happiest uh, fate for children, for women or for men, um, but that the the ending of the movie where Barbie is basically looking for this connection with femininity that is apparently rejected in the beginning of the movie by all the little babies. And maybe what it means is, is hey, when women grow up, this is what life really is. And it is complicated. And so uh, I want to turn and kind of end with the last part of this and I just want to go to the question that's at the big hole in the middle of the Barbie movie. And now it ties into the Sunday readings. And it's really about that question Barbie asked at the big dance party. Do you ever think about dying? That question, do you ever think about dying, points to the big hole in the middle of the Barbie movie. Maybe even in the middle of feminism. What happens when you think about competition, or what sex is, or what gender is, but you never think about the meaning and purpose of life, that for some reason that just goes by you. Uh, what's gonna happen? Where's this all going? And you know what I think has gotten a lot of press is a Gloria's 
a speech about being a woman. And I wanted to read it in full because I think it's worthwhile paying attention to. So here's Gloria's monologue. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You're so beautiful and so smart, Barbie, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that you're a point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You never have to get old. You never be rude. Never show off. Never be selfish. Never fall down. Never fail. Never show fear. Never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself in a knot so that people will like us. If all that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. Um, and so, apparently speaking for all of women, um, but at the heart of it is suffering. Um, all the sense of not fitting in, not measuring up, having to have other things imposed on you. She never mentions anything like ovarian or breast cancer. Uh, she never thinks about memory loss, uh, care of parents and moms who have gone into dementia, children that get hooked up in drugs. I mean, just go through the whole list of suffering. And it is true that in a highly sexualized culture, that the burdens put on women are unjust. But friends, it's a highly sexualized culture. And women have cooperated in it, as uh, Erica Bacchiacci points out. Um, porn, birth control, abortion, all these point to sex. And so that when Mary Wollstonecraft wrote Vindication of the Rights of Women uh, in 1792, what she said presently was, that what women should be is to have the right to their own work. Amen. Women should be educated like men so that they can take their place in the world beside their men. Amen. And men need to learn to live the same chastity that they expect of women. I'd say amen. But I think modern feminism has come out exactly the opposite of Mary Wollstonecraft. Because without an accounting of how sex participates in both life and suffering, there is a huge hole in our culture. Um, so I want to leave you with this because after listening to Gloria's speech and reading the readings for this weekend, let me give you Gloria, but as a male. Uh, and so this is from the book of Job. Job spoke saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He's the slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I've been assigned months of misery and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I'm filled with restlessness until the dawn. 
My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope, remembering that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. Right in the middle of Barbie is the question of Job and suffering. And Gloria's monologue is all about the suffering that's particular to Gloria. And I think other women, how they think. And men, they have all their own reasons to feel inadequate or too fat or anything else. So what do you do about suffering? Well, it's at the heart of what life is about. And it's about the cross. And so I'll leave you with the gospel. Mark chapter 1. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone's looking for you. And he told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. What's the problem with the Barbie movie? Maybe most movies. It's the God-sized hole. I like the fact that Greta Gerwig uh, loved her time at a Catholic school. You get some Catholics who are very negative about it, but not her. And I thought, what a good movie. But what if you thought about it as simply the story of Job and about the suffering of women? And what kind of possibilities would there be if men and women realized that they were joined together in a life where suffering was such a part of everybody's life? And then they chose to cooperate instead of to compete. This has been Oral Valley Catholic.